If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. It's a very, very familiar story. Very familiar. Luke chapter 1. I like um, Luke. I like all, I like the whole Bible, but Luke is very, he was a physician. He wrote very well. He was very orderly in his writings. And I'm going to start in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. But when Mary saw this angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. I guess I would have been too. I mean, you know, if an angel appeared to me, that would be enough. But then, uh, you know, greeting like that. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will call be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have never known a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And, now, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Christmas story, um, we've read it umpteen times. But the more I have read the Christmas story, the more I realize that the changes that this young lady went through in her life. A teenage girl in a small village in the Middle East, engaged to be married, probably arranged by either a matchmaker or her parents, uh, about to be pregnant, a young lady out of wedlock, And this was no normal son she was about to have. And so her life would be changed and changed forever. Change. You know, that's an interesting word. It's part of our life. And whether we like it or not, it happens. And there's been a lot of things said about change. That English author Arnold Bennett stated, any change, even a change for the better, is always accompanied by discomforts. And that's true, we know that. Our 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, said this, change is the law of life. And those who look only to the past or the present are certain to miss the future. And that rather humorous and sometimes very sarcastic past leader of England, uh, Winston Churchill, said this, to improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. And, and, but change. Some things change daily. 
Morning changes tonight, night changes today. We change from our sleeping clothes to our working clothes. And then you have a change of seasons. Children's Children change grades and often when they change grades, they change teachers. And oftentimes when they change grades, they change friends. As we get older, our bodies change. We often change friendship. Companies change ownership. Sometimes we change jobs. Change. Change is a part of life and some people embrace it, but other people resist it. And throughout the Bible, whenever God wanted to accomplish something, he often did it through change. When God, when man was evil, and the Bible says that the thoughts of his heart was evil continually, and God was going to destroy man, he was going to do it with the flood. He got a hold of a fellow by the name of Noah, and he said, I want you to build an ark, and it's going to rain. Rain was a change, because in Genesis 2, the Bible tells us up until that time it had never rained. That mist had come up from the earth, and watered the ground. It was a change, rain. And then King David, David, that shepherd boy, he changed from a shepherd boy to a warrior to a king. And then Peter, James, and John, they changed from fishermen to fishers of men. And then there was this very passionate Pharisee by the name of Saul who changed to the Apostle Paul. Change. Change can happen for many reasons. Sometimes it's because of something we've done. Sometimes it's because of something someone else has done. Change can be caused by the environment around us, or it can be caused by the enemy trying to get us off track, distracted from God. And at the time of Jesus, I don't know if you realize it or not, it was a time of great change for some. The shepherds, they left their flocks in the fields and to go to Bethlehem to see what the angels had told them. And they changed from being mere shepherds to being a heralder of the first pronunciation or the first announcement of the birth of the Messiah. They changed. And then the Magi, they changed. They changed from leaving their home in the Middle East and traveling for literally years to go worship this king of the Jews. Their life changed. They were travelers. And after a visit, as we read this morning from the angel Gabriel, a young teenage girl in the small village of Nazareth, she underwent a huge change. Huge. And that's not even to mention her husband, Joseph, and the change he underwent. He had to change his mind thought and not divorce her and, and make a public example of her. But as I read the Christmas story and everything that took place, I believe that the individual that underwent the greatest change was the pre-incarnate Christ. I believe that. See, he left a land where there was no death, 
There was no sorrow. There was no crying, no pain, no sickness, no disease. The Bible tells us that the land that he left, the pre-incarnate Christ, it had no sun. And yet the light was so beautiful and so clear. It was like, like a jasper stone. And it had this city, this gorgeous city. And the city was actually a square city. It was 1,500 miles on each side. And it had these huge walls. They were 216 feet high and 216 feet wide. And the walls were actually, that surrounded the city, were actually made of jasper stone. And the foundation that these beautiful walls were built on were 12 foundations and they had gems inlaid in them. And if you're a gemologist, forgive me because I'm sure I'm going to butcher some of these names. Jasper, Sapphire, Chalcedony, Emerald, Sardonic, Sardis, Crystallite, Beryl, Topaz, and the one I just, and Amethyst, and a couple of more. I mean, that was the foundation. This is gorgeous. And you talk about easy access to this beautiful place. It had 12 gates. But these gates were nothing like you'd ever seen. They were made out of a single pearl. A single pearl. Gorgeous. And Leela, you talk about homeland security. The gates were guarded by 12 angels. 12 angels. Isn't that something? And then running down the middle of this city. Well, first of all, the streets. The street was pure Transparent, transparent gold like glass and running down the middle of the main street was this river and the water was so clear in this they said it was just like a crystal and on each side of the river there were trees and these trees bore fruit and every month these trees had a fresh crop of fruit it's gorgeous And he left that. He left that. As a matter of fact, the Bible said he emptied himself of all of his privileges and he left all of that to be born as a man-child into a land strewn with a lot of small towns and villages that had a high infant mortality rate. And if you made it past being an infant, the average lifespan was only 35 years. Most of the people were very poor. And those that were wealthy oppressed the poor. The average house was one room made of clay bricks or stone and it was held together by mud and straw. And it had a flat roof and, and there were stair, dirt floor. And that stairs going up to this flat roof so they could store things up there and maybe sit out there at night. There was all kinds of religions. Pagan worship, child sacrifices. And many of the religious leaders had changed the laws so that they could line their own pockets. 
They preyed on the poor. And if that wasn't bad enough, the country was now ruled by a very oppressive government. And there were taxes, taxes to the breaking point. There was the grain tax, produce tax, sales tax, temple tax, occupational tax, custom tax, transit tax. I mean, there were taxes all over the place. And if that wasn't bad enough, when he came into this world, he was going to be faced with every sickness and disease and temptation and trial that mankind had ever gone through. He was going to have to put up with that. And then he was going to be ridiculed and misunderstood by those around him. And sometimes even by his own family. They would think he'd gone off his rocker. More often than not, he'd be ridiculed and hated even by the religious leaders. And then he would be turned in for a ransom or a bounty by someone he had taken into his group of disciples. He would be horrifically treated by the arresting army, given a mock trial and then put to death in one of the most painful methods possible of that time. That makes no sense to me at all. It doesn't. Why would he do that? As a matter of fact, at one point in talking to his heavenly father as a man, he said, God, if father, if there's any way you can get me out of this, if there's a different way we can do this, could we do it that way? <clears throat> Nevertheless, not my will, not what I want, but what you want. You talk about change. Well, he underwent change. From the pre-incarnate Christ who lived in a beautiful land who was number two the father and then the son had thousands of thousands and tens upon thousands of angels at his disposal why would he do that you talk about change it's very simple because of his love for you and I and I will stand here this morning and tell you that after 50 years, I don't understand it. I accept it and I believe it, but I don't understand it. And see, up until this point, man had always been reaching up to God through sacrifices or paying gold or making big temples. Man had always been reaching up and to God, but all of a sudden now, God was reaching down to man. That's why the angels that night to the shepherd says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, because God was revealing his love to all of mankind. Didn't matter through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Didn't matter who you were, where you lived, what your religion was, or your nationality. Amen. 
God was reaching, thank you sister, God was reaching down to man. And this isn't meant as a downer. Did you ever see a man or a woman and they're dating someone and all of a sudden they realize that that individual loves them? Well, they go nuts. They think it's great. Wow, you know, she, do you think she, she loves me? She told me. She told me she loved me. Oh, wow. It's, it's great. It ought to be that way for us. This ought to be the most greatest celebration we can ever think of. Because the creator of the universe loves us. He loves us so much that he gave us, his, he sent his son to be a mortal man. And it doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how young you are. doesn't matter if you're 8 to 80. It doesn't matter. The apostle John in his first letter said this. God showed how much he loved us by sending us his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This ought to be a celebration like none other. We ought to wake up in the morning and just say, wow. Creator of heaven and earth loves me so much. He gave me a gift. I'd like you to do something for me. This is probably going to be the shortest sermon you ever hear from me. But I want you to do three things for me this Christmas. And I'll tell you what, I guarantee you it'll change your life. Three very simple things. First thing I'd like you to do is every morning when you wake up, I'd like you to... Quote John 3.16, but I don't want you to quote it the way it is in the Bible. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you to rewrite the Bible. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to change that. I don't want you, instead of the world, I want you to say, For God so loved me, Owen, that He gave for God so loved me that he gave his only son. Because I believe on him, I shall have eternal life. And if you don't want to use that one, use 1 John 4, 9. You can write that down. God showed how much he loves Owen by sending his one and only son into the world so that I, Owen, might have eternal life through him. I'll tell you what, if you'll wake up every morning and say that, it'll change your life. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. My father and I were never very close. Some, a lot of it was due that I didn't understand what he was going through. And so I had trouble with a loving God. But when this became a reality to me, it changed my life. Changed my life. The second thing I'd like you to do is when you're done quoting that scripture and putting your name in it. I'll tell you what, after about a week, it'll become a reality to you. I'd like you when you're done with that to take just 10 seconds, 15 maybe, and just thank him for how much he does love you.
God, I thank you that you do love me. And I thank you for your gift this Christmas season of your son. Thank you. And then I'll tell you the third thing I'd like you to do. Very simple. I'd like you to find somebody that you normally don't give a gift to. You may have never given a gift to them. And if you're really, if you're really courageous, you might give it to somebody who really just knots your jaw. What I mean by that is, just aggravates the fire out of you every time you see them. And it doesn't have to be something ostentatious. Doesn't have to be exorbitant. It could be simple. It might even just be a card. But let it be heartfelt. If it's a card, drop it in the mail. And say, God, you gave me a gift when I didn't know you. In the name of Jesus, I'm giving this to them. And you know what? If they come up and ask you, what'd you do that for? Jerry, what'd you do that for? You need to just tell them. You know what? God gave me a gift when he gave me his son. I just wanted to give. In 1963, there was a very popular singer. Probably a lot of you may not know him. His name was Andy Bennett. And he released a song called It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. You know what? If we will remember, if we will remember what this is all about, it's a manifestation of God's love for us in the personage of Jesus Christ. Mankind, here's my gift to you, my son. And you know what? He's going to save you from your sin. And you don't even know how. But he's going to. Whew, what a time of celebration. Let's pray. Lord, there's not a lot that I can say in light of, in light of your gift to us. Changes you know what, I'd ask that just the presence of your love, the knowledge of your love for us, you reaching down to us, I'd ask that it change us somehow for the better. Let us not feel so alone. Let us not be so afraid. Let us not be so worried. Instead, Lord, let us know that you love us. And then, Lord, help us to reciprocate that love. Not the love of man that man says he has, but that love. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.